This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Thank you for choosing the Dine Local ST podcast. Visit DineLocalST.com for the latest in restaurant offerings. Here's your host, Nick Shenton. I'm going to do it with my hands. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome. It's another episode of the Dine Local San Diego podcast. I am your host, Nick Shinton. I got Joe and Joe with me today, Buckshness and Herman, here to tell you about all the great things that are having, happening in the farmer's market. And then later on, we got Chef Matt Lyons coming in from Tribute Pizza up in North Park. Just an outstanding chef and an outstanding uh, coolie Super cool property. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But like we do every week, we're going to kick it off with a farmer's market report. Joe Herman, what is going on up at the market? Hey, Nick. Great question. <laughs> Thanks. It's a new question, isn't it? Yeah. Every week. Every week. <laughs> the market. Uh, lots of things are going up at the market. We're uh, seeing the end of some things. Mm-hmm. We're getting hyped about things coming in, like cherries. I've heard a lot of buzz about cherries, but let's get into that in a little bit. Let's talk about what's been leaving the market because we're kind of coming to the end of definitely apples, right? So we've we sold out of a couple apples this week. Or? Yeah, well, you're seeing the end of uh, the Cameo, the Arkansas Black, the Crimson Gold. Um, right now, it's just kind of some Fujis and Pink Ladies and a few Granny Smiths hanging around. Cool. And th- those are still really good and sugary and, and delicious? Yeah. The f- I think that the Fujis are really great right now. They're the best they've been all season. The Pink Ladies are always good. And, you know, the Granny Smiths are still pretty solid. But, yeah. yeah. The tart for... Yeah. For, yeah. Cool. And then... And so, well, let's recap citrus a little bit, too, because I know we're, like, right in the middle end of citrus. What would you... How would you describe the citrus season right now? Right now, there's, like, the most variety. Mm-hmm. We got Some things have gone out. New things are coming in. Uh Particularly the San Diego citrus is really good right now. We're having these warmer days and cooler nights still. Um, a lot of the other citrus has gone out, but we're in the peak of it. Most variety, most variety of grapefruits, tangerines, still seeing blood oranges and caracaras as well. Now, you know, I I don't know too much about the maturation of citrus plants, but I, I, I like from what I understand, sugar development takes time, and and is it like you know, is that something that you see sort of in the middle of the harvest of the crop or near the end of the season, you know, higher sugar levels in citrus? Yeah, it's just it's all about the weather too. So So time and weather determines the sweetness. Right. And sugar development. Yeah. So everything's developing. Same thing with tomatoes. And but right you know? now when you say peak, we were not expecting we're, we're, this is the top of the sugar development, right? The right. sweetest and the and the, the most flavor again, sugary that you'll get. Correct. Cool. And so what, what – we have tons of varieties in there. There's lots of tangerines and grapefruits too. You just brought in a new grapefruit last week, right? No? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, 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 no, I don't think so. But Okay. I mean we got, the, we got a new ruby grapefruit, star ruby from Ken's Top Notch. That was pretty solid. Star yeah. ruby grapefruit from Ken's Top Notch. Yeah. So, you know, we have that. We have uh, a marsh ruby, which is just a pink grapefruit. We have mellow gold from Murray. We have oro blanco from Polito. Uh, Polito also has star rubies now. Cool. And we're starting to see that. So citrus is going to be going strong for a little bit. Grapefruits come a little later in the season. They all start popping up. Um, for instance, Murray Farms, they're done with all their citrus already. Really? And they're waiting for the next thing, which is cherries. Cherries. Yeah. And so I've heard, okay, for those of you who haven't had a really, you know, a local variety of cherries, it's one of the absolute 
one of the, the most fast and furious seasons that we encounter here when it comes to local produce. I mean, they're in for like two weeks and then they're gone. Um, and it's a very limited harvest, right? And from what I understand of that is the first rain determines the end of the harvest. And because the cherries get too swollen and they, and they have to be harvested right when it rains. So that's going to mark the end of the season. Are they talking about like a date for the start of the season? Yes, April 24th is the projection now, uh-huh. depending on weather, stuff like that. And so you heard originally it was supposed to be a week earlier, but then got, got into some forecasting, checking on the maturity of the trees, and they're pushing it back for another week or so But when they get to the market. And one of the leading producers is which farm? Murray Family Farms. And so Murray Family Farms. And like last year, how many varieties did we get out of him? Oh, man. I don't know, I feel like six to eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and he has newer varieties this year as So well. we're talking more varieties, and then we're also talking about a larger crop. Correct. Has he given you any sort of like predictions on the size of the crop that he's going to be able to harvest this About year? three times as much as last year. Wow. wow. Yeah. So that's something that, I mean, again, something truly to be excited about. It's, it's such a fleeting season for it, and that's the first stone fruit, right? So we'll start – that marks the beginning of stone fruit season, and then we'll get into like apricots or Correct. something next. And then um, – but the cherries, I mean, again, if you haven't had a farmer's market local cherry, it's just I – and mean, it changes the way you think about these little things. Uh, I know – I remember one of the – the hybrids or one of the varietals that he brought in last year was the CG1 or the GG1, something like that. GG1. GG1. Right. And that was just like one of the most outstanding things I've ever tried in my entire life. Yes. Agreed. So looking forward to a much more plentiful crop and flavorful crop coming in. So everybody getting excited about cherries. What's the date again on that? April 24th. April 24th. Cool. So keep your guys' eyes peeled for some cherries hitting the farmer's market trucks and entering into your local restaurants. I know chefs get really excited about those and we'll be super eager to put them in all kinds of stuff. Thank you, Joe. Uh, moving on to Joe Buckschness. Joe, I know you're going to talk a little bit about Tribute Pizza today because you actually helped me up with booking Chef Matt Lyons. I really appreciate that. And there he is just peeking through the window right there. Uh, we'll bring him in in, in just a second. But yeah. you, I know you Tribute's one of the, your favorite stops that you take the truck to. And, and that's just because of the personality of the chef and how interested he is in trying everything, right? Yes, correct. Uh, tribute, uh, it's in uh, North Park area in the old post office building. Great space. Yeah, I, you know, my first time delivering there, I, I got to say I missed it like four times yeah. because I kept seeing the post office, and yes. it's the post office. Yes. It's the post office yeah. is Tribute Pizza. It's, it's an amazing layout. Um, so today we're going to talk about he has a Farmer's Market Weekly Special, mm-hmm. and then he has a Farmer's Market – or I'm, I'm sorry, a Weekly Tribute Pie. So this week's – or last week's Tribute Pie was a stinging nettle with smashed heirloom fingling potatoes. Uh, and he far foraged these uh, stinging nettles from Balboa Park. I wanted to touch on that. You know, um, some of these chefs have a have a great kind of uh, mindset to find and source local ingredients, uh, not necessarily from us, but we love them sourcing them from us, of course. Sure. <laughs> well, I, just to hit on that foraging a little bit, stinging nettles, right? Mm-hmm. So you can find out more about stinging nettles in the Specialty Produce app. Correct. Uh, but also, from what I know about it, I see them all over my all neighborhood. Over when I'm walking my dog, especially in the springtime, Correct. they're sprouting up all over the place. Yeah. And so, like, literally, when you touch them, they, they, they will kind of react with your skin, you know, but... 
by steeping them or blanching them, you kind of remove the, that that stinging property. But they're very therapeutic, you know, for blood flow, circulation, rheumatoid arthritis, um, their uh, UTIs and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, for a holistic property, they're phenomenal. That's cool. You know, but for a flavor kind of point it's very kind of herbaceous and um i guess very tastes very green which i enjoy i've heard it you know that a lot of people just use them like anywhere you use spinach correct basically yeah. you can sub a stinging nettle for indeed yes and and just to finish this pie uh he you know he has the forged stinging nettles the smashed uh, heirloom fingerling potatoes three cheeses mozzarella point reyes farmstead toma and a telegio finished with a garlic and nettle infused olive oil and if you crave meat they also have an add-on for a cured guanciale which is a pork jowl <laughs> if you want to take that route i'd have to add you know what you can't really, can't really <laughs> right? complain for us over here. That's like one of my um, favorite cured um, meats ever. Yeah. So, you know, Matt does a uh, phenomenal job. The guy's a, a, a culinary genius. Super exciting. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to talk to him in just a second. Totally. Well, thanks so much, Joe. Really appreciate me. it. It's always great. All right, guys. That's going to wrap it up for the Farmer's Market Report. In just a second, we got Chef Matt coming in here to talk all about tribute. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome back. I am so excited to have Chef Matt Lyons of Tribute Pizza up in North Park. Just one of the most outstanding properties, unique properties that you'll ever see. And they have, hands down, the best pizza in Southern California. And I'll expand on that in just a little bit, why I think so. But first, I want to welcome Chef. Chef Matt, welcome. Hey, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. So when I what I was trying to say about pizza and why I think yours is the absolute best. There are a lot of people doing artisan pizzas in different places and they have the toppings and they're using the chef's inspiration on the toppings. But generally where you find those chef driven pizzas, there aren't a specifically pizza focused restaurant. Whereas tribute pizza, the foundation is there. And the foundation that I mean is the dough, crispy, crunchy, chewy. It has to, for me, dough's got to have all of those aspects into it. And whether you're using great ingredients or not, on top of it, the dough is what everything starts with. And your guys is just absolutely outstanding. Will you tell me a little bit about your dough program? Hold on. i got to take note of what I'm supposed to have. <laughs> Crispy, crunchy, chewy. Yeah, that right? Uh, <clears throat> you know, we get absolutely the best stuff we can and try to not fuck it up. <laughs> That's always a good plan. Yeah. Um. But I know you you sourced a specific flour, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a bag of flour uh, that you can that anybody can buy. Um, it's central milling. It's uh, grown in in Utah right mm -hmm. now, um, milled by Keith and Nikki Justo, who I have a small personal relationship with, and uh, you know, I've been I've worked with so many different flours from you know kind of low rent stuff like. Pendleton, you know, like bleach bromated, like kind of generic American flowers or power flowers in a lot of New York style pizza places or Italian flowers, Caputo, uh, that a lot of, you know, or Cinco Stagione, five season flower, whatever. Uh, and central milling is absolutely the best I've ever come across. And it, it, that's what I mean by the best stuff and try to not fuck it up. Paid. Do, do justice to the grain growers and the millers and uh, just take pride in what you make and do with intention. Sure. And it's a 
it's a really stupid process and I'm, but I'm proud of the product that it yields. Yeah. So when you say a stupid process, is it like a two day process? I mean, I know that some pizza people prefer their dough to be two days old as opposed to one day old. Where, where is your sweet spot? Oh, uh, it's, it's a window. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, my favorite is four day dough or wow. five day dough. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's kind of one of those questions people always come into the restaurant and say, Hey, how hot's the oven? And it's like, what do you mean by that? Because there's a floor temperature, but there's, you know, an infinite number of floor temperatures. And then there's the dome mm-hmm. temperature or the walls or the, the bed of coals, whatever. Uh, you know, you kind of have to dive deeper into what I mean when I say I like four day dough mm-hmm. and, it just has to do with our own kind of labeling notation device that we use within Tribute. Um, because the the date that we start the dough mm-hmm. is the date that it was rolled into individual balls. Sure. Uh, so one, the, so it's gone through one proofing and then you separate it or, uh, or you don't proof, you just kind of well, ma- well, mix and divide? I guess what I'm saying is that the day that we date it, the dough could already be four days old by then. Uh-huh. And what I mean by that is if we make the dough, we produce it. We start with flour and water on Friday. Mm-hmm. And it goes through an eight-hour poolish process, which is a 100% hydration, so equal parts flour and water and a very small amount of commercial yeast. And it sits for eight hours at room temperature and gets basically pancake, like sourdough pancake batter, very bubbly and and super battery. Sure, no. <laughs> uh, then we then we then we mix it again, and it goes into a bulk fermentation stage in ten kilo batches, so like a like a bus tub um, worth of dough, and that then goes in the fridge for up to seventy two hours, and then. We've got these 10 kilos of dough that was sat at room temperature for eight hours on Friday, then got mixed again with the rest of the flour, the salt, and a little bit of extra virgin olive oil, and then sat in the fridge Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and then gets cut into 300-gram dough balls, plus or minus five grams, and then that's day one. See, that's what I'm talking about, Chef. You know, I was trying to allude to your dough process as, as how intricate and amazing it is. And just listen to the amount of detail and the amount of thought that has, and obviously trial and error. And just, yeah. you know, it, it seems like that this has been a recipe and a technique, really. It's not really the recipe. It's just, you know, because your ratio is your ratio. But the technique that you... Again, the refinement of that technique, I think, is really what, again, that's the foundation that your concept and your thing is built off of. And, and that, that was, you just completely proved my point, what I was talking about, about that, having that foundation to build this incredible pizza off of. And thank you. So that, you I know, mean, just, just again, how much attention you're spending to just the dough, I, I think, is such a testament to what you guys got going on there. And we, I think, I think I proved my point. That it's stupid. <laughs> and what I mean by that is because that means at any given 
point, if we want the dough to be four days old, but it might already be four days old by the date that we start it, we need eight days worth of dough. And if we're averaging, you know, 300-ish doughs a day, Mm -hmm. you can do the math. We need 2,400 doughs on hand at at, not at all times. Because Tuesday is slower than but just Saturday, in the, for in the example. cycle in the, in the in the cycle, there's constantly 2,400 doughs in pro- somewhere in the process, and that's a lot of storage. That's a lot of infrastructure um, to produce the style of pizza that we want to make, or the dough that we want to make. And uh, really, I've I've got you know effectively one person to thank for that, and that's my dough guy, it's John Doe. <laughs> he's there right now he's there right now rolling dough and it's a monotonous thankless job and he's a dough machine he up in upstate new york he used to run a commissary for a restaurant that had several pizza restaurants around town and he was he ran the commissary and part of that was the production of a mass amount of dough and he's he's a legend that's cool. That's super cool. Now, was he resistant to? Because obviously, you then did you develop this program with him, or is this something you trained him on? Uh, I trained him. You know, I I'd been working on the dough for probably by the time we opened, probably thirteen or fourteen years, and he take he has the the yes chef sort of philosophy, sure, uh, which is obviously critical for someone who's responsible for making the dough yeah um and he's actually uh it's been a long time since i was the dough guy since i made dough every single day Mm -hmm. and that was my job and as a result uh i think our dough today is better than the dough that i think it's the best dough tribute has ever served and i only mean that in terms of daily incremental progress that we learn a little bit more about our water or our flour or the environment in the kitchen or X, Y, and Z and make minute adjustments. Um, and in fact, there's actually something coming, coming down the pipeline that I'm really excited about. Uh, you know, you said you source the special flour and, you know, anybody can get it if they're willing to pay Pay for it. Sure. And some places don't because it's genuinely pricey. And I take a philosophy, you know, not just buy the best shit in the world and try to not fuck it up, but maybe more crucially, buy the best shit you can and charge accordingly. And hopefully people appreciate those incremental improvements. And maybe it's not in your face. Hey, these are... This is organic flour milled by people who I know. Sure. Um, or these are organic tomatoes. And I was I helped process the garlic that went into the can. And, and you know, you're not – okay, so the reason why you've chosen those ingredients is not because you're – it's not a marketing ploy for you. It is actually because you enjoy them and you enjoy – you've gone through the tasting process, you've gone through, you've seen it in production, you've seen the people do it. And it's, and so it's not like, Hey, I'm going to market this organic flour. It's no, this is, I've tried all these flowers 
and this is the one that works the best for what I'm doing. And that's, I think that's such a cool approach to have to it. It's not this, you're not just making this decision. I'm going to be organic because that's what people want and that's what I'm going to market. And that's why I'm going to be able to charge. You're using what is the best and because of how you taste it and how you work with it at school. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fairly resistant to, uh, using the fundamental underlining underlying uh, culinary philosophy as a gimmick. Um, and, you know, in terms of like trying to take it a step further, now Central Milling is offering 100% California grown high mountain. So they, they basically are growing these same wheat berries that they were growing in Utah and they're growing them in California and they're milling them in California. So this flour that's coming down the pipeline uh, is... 100% California grown and milled and that's really enticing to me but it's even pricier mm-hmm. and it's like how do I rationalize that on my menu if I'm not going to say hey we've just transitioned to this product that sure. now is uh, limited by or limited it's, it, it is defined by the California climate or the California agricultural program and the California labor laws and the California uh, wage, you know, minimum wage and X, Y, and Z, it's more expensive to grow flour in California than it is in Utah. Even land property, to mill it, everything, everything. Uh, And I want to do that because I care passionately about the quality of the ingredients. But kind of to get back to your question, uh, I'm really excited about trying that. Yeah. That cal- but because it's theoretically the exact same specs, because they're calling it the same thing, and there's all this, you know, kind of not homogenization, but effectively in, you know, taking wheat berries from different fields and trying to make it into a consistent product mm-hmm. that has 13.5% protein, 0.1% ash, X, Y, and Z, these specs, so that you get a consistent product bag-to-bag. And I'm going to go through this process with this California-grown flour, and if it's not as good, I'm not going to use it. Yeah. And, like, in regards to organic, we use Bianca DiNapoli organic peeled tomatoes. And I went, and I'm, you know, I've stayed at Rob's house up in Los Gatos. I've... I went and took a tour of the of the packing plant. Rob Rob's like family to me. And last year at the at the Las Vegas Pizza Expo, I got to meet Scott Park, who's actually the grower of these tomatoes in Meridian, California. And he's, you know, as old as time itself, you know, he's like the 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 pizza show's full of these guys wearing pizza suits and driving pizza corvettes and you know, it's, it's it's kind of an it's an it's a kind of a weird industry uh, convention. And Scott Park is the farmer, <laughs> and nobody recognizes Scott Park because he's not a celebrity. And and I was so excited to meet Scott and shake his hand and say thank you. Yeah. And he was kind of weirded out that I was a fanboy, uh, <laughs> but uh, he said something that really struck a chord to me. And it's that he doesn't grow organically because it's hot shit. It's 
marketable. He grows organically because it's the right thing to do. And he's been doing it for 40 years. And what that means to me is that the USDA organic stamp on the bag of flour or the Quality Assurance International organic certificate that comes with this product doesn't mean a whole lot to me because what really matters to me is that it's the best. But the Venn diagram of people who grow organically Mm -hmm. have kind of self-identified as people who, especially those who grow organically and have for 40 years, have kind of self-identified as people who care a little bit more or are themselves striving for daily incremental progress to do things a little bit better or a little bit X, Y, or Z. And those people who have that stamp have, especially for 40 years, are the same kind of people who want to make something as well as they can regardless of what it takes. And that's a philosophy that I identify. And that's why I use that flower. And that's why I use those tomatoes. And it's not just that I have personal relationships. It's not that they're incredible organizations that I'm proud to support. It's that the products are the best. And the people that create those products and give me access to them, what they do, their inputs that are special, allow me to attempt to do something special. And it's those that incremental progress of using a flower that's better for me. That's awesome. You know, just to have that attitude towards life, of, especially as a chef, of how can I get better at this? How can I get better? And, you know, just to see... Again, we we just spent the last ten minutes talking about the very foundation of your pizza. And the if, viewers, if there are any, are like, this is, I don't care. Well, to me, this is what's the most interesting, you know. And I think but I I care. And well, and then that's what I want to show people is how much you care because you know. I, this is a common theme in the, in this podcast. I talk about food coming from a good place. And I, I feel like people that are positive and have energy and have this, uh, you know, desire to make something outstanding, you know, those are the truly talented chefs in our community. Those are the chefs that I want to eat at. And I, I love to be able to share that passion that you have right now with our, our listeners and our viewers on Facebook. Because you guys got to go check out Tribute Pizza. Um, just listening to Chef Matt here talk about, again, just the subtleties of his program. It's, you know, it's truly a labor of love for you. And, uh, you know, super excited that you've brought that to San Diego. I want to talk about your building a little bit. Sure. Because sure. um, I, I told the story a little bit earlier in the podcast. My first couple of times trying to deliver there, uh, I delivered before I'd ever been in, and I couldn't find it. How? What am I looking for when I come up to North Park? Uh, it's the old uh, post office. And in- so how did you come to acquire that space? Oh, it was a uh, talk about a labor of love. <laughs> uh, you know, when, when I... When I saw that it was for rent, I knew it had to be mine. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, easier said than done. But I found a way. And that's that, uh, you know, I think I signed the lease when I was 28 and 27. Yeah. I said, oh, I signed it on my 20th birthday. And 
That's incredibly stupid. It's an incredibly <laughs> stupid thing to do. Personal guarantee? Psh, yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, no. It's just, uh, I think my landlord, uh, I think he saw an opportunity to create an opportunity for somebody who needed it. So when you fell in love with that space, so I know, okay, a pizza kitchen has got several specific requirements yes. that are definitely not in a post office. Mm-hmm. Now, did you decide on the space and then we're like, can I work with it? Or am I, you know, what do I have to do the space? Were you, was it just like you had this vision, you walked in the building and you're like, I'm going to accomplish this no matter what. Uh, you know, I think, I think it happened in a, in a couple of different ways. The building and sat vacant from 2010 when it, it stopped being a post office on July 4th, 2010. And I know that because our mailman, Norm, uh, likes to remind me of when it was his spot. And uh, it sat vacant until, you know, they had some, like, Maker's Fair sort of stuff and uh, art art shows there. And the landlord told me that they had had several people interested in acquiring the space for a brewery or for um, a different restaurant concept, different mm-hmm. sort of stuff like that. And that nobody could figure out how to accomplish it because he had a very rigorous set of criteria for what he would accept, especially because over the shell of the old po- post office, he built 33 apartments uh-huh. and he wanted to make sure that whatever operator went into the space uh, was, not only a true neighborhood space, but had respect and care for the residents mm-hmm. who were paying cumulatively more rent than the, than the space, restaurant would. Yeah. And that it was a benefit, that it was an asset, that the neighbor – that it would draw people to like, yeah, I live above Tribute or I live above Restaurant X as it turns out. It became Tribute. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it I think – goes to credit to to my mom who is a uh who's a designer um not an architect on paper but uh for all intents and purposes when we when I saw it and fell in love with it we walked outside she's got a she's got a you know a, a laser uh what is it Laser ruler, whatever, whatever sure. you know. Pointer, laser, distance measure. That's the thing. Yeah. That, technical. There you, you go. You can Google it on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how Google works or Amazon works. A laser pointer distance measure yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And we, we, drew, we drew the kitchen, we drew the entire restaurant in CAD, having never been inside, and used that in the letter of intent. Or at least the... Prior to a letter of intent, mm-hmm. the, hey, Mr. Landlord, we want to do this in this space. And I think that showed that not only uh, did this, you know, effective, effectively, I was a kid, st- still kid, whatever, I guess. My point, Nick, <laughs> is, that, is that it demonstrated not only were we serious because mm-hmm. we had invested some time into designing uh, a restaurant in the space it also demonstrated um, that we had some some skills and some assets that maybe a lot of people don't 
bring to the table uh, from the outset. And the other little token gesture was this uh, water filtration unit that we uh, spec'd to put on the roof that filters out all the smoke and particulate matter and uh, meant that we could put a wood-fired oven in the space and not uh, make the residential windows feel like they're at a camp right exactly (laughs) so it wasn't like that uh and i think those things together kind of and my landlord his name's mike uh mike burnett foundation for form so like he he i feel so lucky that he saw something in me yeah because he could have super easily given it to anybody else who had inquired about it but uh that's kind of how I got the space. A lot of work and uh, it was dumb. Again, dumb. But it's so cool. I mean, you know, when you walk in there, it's the openness of it, the energy of the space, the past energy, the present energy. It's just a really, a really vibing spot. And uh, for those of you who haven't been there, this is your, this is your calling. Go out to Tribute Pizza up in North Park. Uh, you know fantastic ingredients sourced from the you know sourced through personal contacts and personal um exploration and investigation to a a technique passion driven dough program to a chef who's out there looking for the best toppings and ingredients all the time you guys got to go check out tribute pizza chef thank you so much for coming in today hey thank you for having me sorry for Going down some rabbit holes. No, that's a, this is, see, chef, those two things, you know, again, the space, the dough, the toppings, it's truly the best thing going in Southern California for pizza. You've got everything, every element, and it's, it's just such an awesome, so, so awesome to see an owner operator chef like you who is, first concerns with everything was how can I get better? How can I make this a unique thing? And you truly have built a really unique property, a unique concept with an excellent, outstanding product. Can't be missed. Please, everybody, go out there and try some tribute pizza. Thank you, Nick. My pleasure, Chef. Thank you. That's going to do it for us today on the Dine Local San Diego podcast. See you next week. Cheers. Thank you. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.